The Gestalt Gardener podcast is brought to you by Varicosity Vein Center, providing health assessment screenings and compassionate care to improve your vascular functionality and quality of life. Our doctors and vein specialists offer solutions to painful varicose veins, spider veins, and other venous diseases to our patients. Now offering complimentary vein screenings in Jackson, Madison, and Ridgeland. Information and appointment scheduling at varicosityveincenter.com. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Deep South Dining is the show all about the culture of Southern flavor. From fried chicken and collard greens to shrimp and grits and a glass of sweet tea. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or download our MPB Public Media app. Okie folks, welcome back. Horticulture spell to rushing, and uh, me and Java Chapman, we're here for you. We're here to talk about what's going on in your garden. And I know there's a lot of folks who have given up. There's a whole lot of folks just getting cranked up. There's some people not sure whether they should start something new or not. But here it is, the first full week in August. We got plenty of stuff we can do. There's some stuff you really don't have to do. There's some stuff if you want to, you can, in spite of what other people might say about you. So we're going to talk about all that. I guarantee you, I will not try to sell you anything or convince you of anything. But if you've got some things you want to chat about that's related to gardening, uh, let's keep it clean. Let's keep it fun. Let's keep it light. But if you're having trouble actually producing something or getting an enjoyment out of what you're doing, Let's talk about it. We got some lines wide open right now, so if you want to yak with us, bring it on. So, Java, you about ready to do this sort of thing? I am, man. I am um, just trying to stay hydrated. I know if people <laughs> listen to MPB Think Radio, I talk about the heat a lot because this is this is this is a lot, man. It's so hot outside. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, and you know, and and unlike you know, a lot of people out west or. You know, in Europe and all, they're used to it being hot, but they're not used to the humidity. You know, it's only been a couple of years ago since I passed out, and my son had to call the ambulance, and I was just sitting in the shade after helping him dig a little bit, and I just I, I passed out. And it wasn't that hot, but I was not hydrated, and I wasn't taking the humidity. I wasn't taking into account that my body couldn't cool itself by having the sweat evaporate. So, I mean, I was okay, but it's just one of those kind of things where, you know, you don't have to get out in it. Don't, if you have to, stay hydrated. Take it easy. So, and, uh, you know, luckily there's a lot of stuff we can do in the garden first thing in the morning, or we can put it off. Or else uh, we can bring it indoors. You know, gardening doesn't have to be all about, you know, daylilies and tomatoes and stuff. It could be about potted plants, too, or sitting on the porch and watching the lizards jump from fern to fern. So there's plenty of stuff you can do and enjoy, including wildlife uh, that enjoys this kind of weather. So, you know, just sitting back and enjoying it, relaxing and savoring without actually having to do anything. And certainly without worrying about it, because worrying doesn't do anything. We can either fix it. We can't. So for the next hour, let's just kind of talk about it. 
so uh, how you how your kids doing and all this? Are they go is there a pool? You got a neighborhood pool? Well, yeah, we've been actually my kids. They enjoy swimming lessons this summer. I want to employ everyone to learn how to swim. It's almost an essential life skill. But they've been doing that. Um, I guess I'll let the cat out the bag. We have a big birthday party coming up on tomorrow. Um, so Ooh. we're going to be doing the water slide thing because that's the only appropriate activity if you're going to be outside with a bunch of six and seven year olds. <laughs> well, is, it, is, is this is in, is this in your yard? You got a water slide set up? Yeah, we're going to be um, actually at my par- <laughs> actually at my parents' house. You know, so we can kind of pick up and leave. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What what are you doing? Just throwing some plastic out there, running a hose down it or something, or you got a real water slide or what? No, yeah, we have actually, you know, one of the companies who rents the water slides, you oh, know, yeah. go big or go home. So they're going to have some, yeah. going to have some fun tomorrow, but not at the height of the day, not at the heat, the height of the day. Well, you know, I mean, are, are you and Crystal going to get in it too? Well, I, I'm going to get in it. I don't know. I don't know what Crystal's going to do. She might play the sideline. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Well, there's a, you know, I've been keeping track of stuff, even though I am still in England for the next uh, oh, three or four weeks, I guess. But I've been going to flower shows, been uh, doing a lot of walking around the moors. You know, this is the kind of thing, even, even though it's a, it's a different climate here, uh, everybody has their own opportunities to do things their way. One thing I would like to brag on that I wish we could do in Mississippi, I do a lot of walking. I walk a lot. We have footpaths. Everywhere. There's footpaths connecting footpaths, ancient footpaths where people used to walk to work 200 years ago, and, uh, and and they're everywhere. But along these footpaths, they've got wild blackberries, big as my thumb, wild raspberries. The plums are starting to come in. The blueberries are just about big. But everywhere you go, you can graze, you can munch all along these footpaths. And so I picked a bunch of big ripe, sweet blackberries yesterday. I'm trying to make a pie with them this weekend. Wish we could do that in Mississippi, but we have to do it on purpose in our gardens, which means a little bit of cultivation, a little horticulture, and that's what I'm here for. Meanwhile, let's slide down to the Gulf Coast, to Mobile, Alabama. Jerry, how are you this morning? I'm great, Felder. How you been, man? Good, good. What's up? Uh, I just had a quick question. Is it? Do I still have a few days uh, that I can kind of get into my azalea some trimming back to the to the, the woody growth or should i just give them a haircut i want to try to get some some more blooms this year uh, you, you're talking about uh, more blooms next year or you had the yeah 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 yeah, yeah. Here, here's the deal uh, on the coast you have a, a longer than they do up in central alabama central mississippi north and uh, if you cut back really really hard to stuff as big around your finger that has time to come out and sprout, but I don't think it would have time to set flower buds. But if you want to cut stuff that grew this year back or maybe some of last year's, you know, the pencil size stuff, there's no problem at all doing that. But I wouldn't I wouldn't do anything hardcore pruning on spring bloomers like azaleas. Yeah, I was just thinking about going down maybe two or three inches just to Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Any anything that grew this year. Fill out good. Well just keep in mind wherever you make a cut that's exactly where the new growth is going to spread out with three or four or yeah. five branches. So cut it below where you want to grow back up to. But as long as you're cutting into stuff that sprouted since the spring, no problem at all, none. And uh, right afterwards, should I give them a give them a little drink to help them get burned with that that fresh stuff, or are they just going to take care of themselves? Uh, you know, the, the roots will be intact. You know, as long as you get some kind of rain, as long as the plants aren't have gone three or four weeks without a rain. By the time they put out new growth, which would take it 
oh, three or four weeks maybe. By the time the new growth comes out, you'll have had a rain. But the roots are intact. So the plant's not going to be suffering. It actually has kind of a rejuvenating effect. Sort of feels good to the plant. Kind of like whacking them with a stick sometimes, huh? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, it it has a lot to do with hormones, but uh, at the same time, the roots are still there. The roots are will the roots will think they got a lot more to do than they do. So it's sort of like they'll it'll reinvigorate the whole plant. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much. Y'all have a great day. Appreciate it, man. Thanks, Jeremy. Stay cool. And there's a uh, quite a few things going on right now. I've got a uh, uh, some some local school kids. I usually don't do anything in my garden. I've gone a big part of the summer. Nobody waters my plants. Nobody the plants that can't take it. I don't want them. I've got there's plenty of stuff that wants the the space that my that needy plants are taking up in my yard. So my plant my plant is to grow stuff that likes the weather, but it is unusually hot, unusually dry, um, and after the last winter, the plants are a little on the weak side. So I'm having some local school kids, uh, neighborhood kids, go by every couple of weeks or so and check in on a few plants here and there. The back of my truck, for example, is going to need some water in this kind of heat, or else I'm going to have to replace stuff that normally can take it. But I'm not complaining. It's just part of gardening. That's what we do. That's just what we do. And if you can't make it, we dig it up or replace it. That's what we do. Hey, stay in the mobile now. Let's talk to Charlene. Hey, lady, how are you? Hi, I'm good. Um, I have um, I have uh, blueberry and blackberry um, plant bushes in my backyard. Yeah. And um, they they did not produce very well this year. Huh. And I don't I don't know if it was because of the heat because it got hot so early, or do I need to fertilize them? Well, it, it it probably not either of those. You know, fertilizer helps all plants. Oh. Not too not not too much. A little bit of fertilizer. Some people never fertilize. Well, they ought to. Some people over fertilize. They shouldn't. So a little bit of fertilizer every now and then, at least every couple of three years, will help these plants. No more than once every year okay. or so. But uh, they can take the heat. There's no problem with the heat. You know, it's it's hot to us, but it's well within what plants can normal plants can tolerate. So I'm suspecting that, that you may have gotten a little little extra winter damage, even though you're on the Gulf Coast. That was a tough freeze we had in December and that late freeze we had in yes. in March. So and that affected it a, a my, lot it of my lemon tree. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it affected a, lemon tree. a whole lot of people had good success, but a lot of people, it didn't do well. Some of my blueberries did okay, but some didn't. So uh, I'm suspecting it's more just the plants had a, a tough year just a tough year. If they're really big, if you want to prune them, it's past the normal date. But like I was telling the caller before, Jeremy, on the Gulf Coast, you can stretch it a little bit. If you want to lightly prune, especially your blackberries. The blackberries, all the stuff that grew last year should have had the berries on it this year. Well, it's not going to next year. The stuff that grows in 2023 this year is going to have the berries next year. So you might want to thin out some of the tall stuff, and that will invigorate what's left. So you might want to cut some of the tall stuff back. Maybe the stuff that's left, prune it back a little bit, but no hard pruning. And let's see if that doesn't invigorate the plants. And if you get right on it, I think they have time to set flower buds before before fall. Okay. Okay. It's Because uh, um, the, the blackberry plant is um, probably five years old now. And yeah. some of the original stuff has just died. You know, some of the original, original 
Yeah. Branches. I, so I just pulled them out. Yeah. yeah. Um, are these are these are these the kind of blackberries that that kind of run? They come up canes from the ground, or is a yeah. bush type? Yeah. Yeah. Well, this this is what they do. The, the, those canes only live two or three years, and they die, but they're replaced by new stuff from the ground. So the old stuff, just snip it out, and then whatever's left, cut it back just a little bit. The stuff that grew this year, but uh, no, old canes they don't they don't live very long, two or three years. Right. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Appreciate your help. Okay, Charlene. Good to the show. Okay, dokey, folks. Horticulture's fell to rushing, and we've got the lines wide open. If you want to talk to somebody about gardening who's not a know-it-all, who learned a bunch of stuff, been taught a bunch of stuff, still have a lot, a long ways to go. If you want to just chat about stuff, I won't be a know-it-all. We'll talk about it. I know a lot of y'all don't like to do online stuff, social media and all that kind of stuff. I, I get that. I spent a lot of time on Mississippi Gardening Facebook, which uh, no Louisiana, Alabama, you, you've all got it. But Mississippi Garden, we have we have uh, followers from all around Mississippi, Alabama, Arkansas, Louisiana, Tennessee, um, and 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 it's people showing pictures of stuff that's going on in their gardens, or they have questions or problems. And it's not just people saying, well, here's what I did, or here's what my uncle told me to do, or here's what might work, or I don't know. It is real garden experts on there. I mean, Dr. Gary Bachman chimes in from time to time. We have uh, real expert, real garden horticulturists, retired and university people uh, from all, all, all around this few chime in. So if you have a question about something, uh, we'll be nice. We don't argue with folks. We don't get into weird stuff like that. But I will like to mention this. I have a blog, which is, you know, it's like a little or monthly type of thing where I just chat about unusual stuff, not about planting tomatoes or mowing your grass, but it's about un- things that we don't normally talk about. Uh, for example, uh, two or three weeks ago, I have a blog about garden seats, swings, benches. It sounds just as dull as it can be. I mean, it's going to be you know, pretty bland. But I think if you were to click on that and see some of the type of seeding that I've seen, uh, both in people's gardens and my own garden at, at flower shows, botanic gardens, I think you'll get a pretty good idea that there's a lot of cool stuff out there where you can rest your old, weary bones. And even if you don't, they make the garden look better, all different styles and so on. So if you go to felderushing.blog, check out the thing on garden seeding. I just want to mention that today, just a few minutes ago, I uploaded a new one. And I only do maybe one every month or two. I'm not like one of these people blogs every other day. Adam and this blog is an, on an unusual but ancient way of dealing with garden debris. I don't mean a, a leaf pile. Uh, it's called a dead hedge. Dead hedge. Uh, it's just a low, narrow fence made by piling long, fallen limbs and branches and stuff in a row like you would a fence. And every few feet, you put a pair of posts, two posts, about a foot or so apart, and it just stacks up in between it like sort of like a an old split rail fence, except this is made with stuff that you drag to the street of the burn pile. It's a really cool thing. Uh, as the lower stuff uh, breaks down, it turns into rich soil. You can plant ferns and liriope or liriope. Or, uh, it also has a really cool super habitat for all sorts of little garden wildlife, like spiders and native bees and lizards and frogs and even birds' nests. Anyway, if you want to go to my blog and see what I'm talking about, you might get some rustic ideas for your own garden. So go to felderrushing.blog and look at my newest thing called The Dead Head is Alive. Um, 
And also, you can click on the thing that says email me. If you have some questions about your garden, you can just click on that. And I get photographs and questions and comments and stuff all week long from people. Uh, so if you go to blog, I don't sell you anything. I don't even sell my own books on this thing. It's just a place to hook up. That's all it is doing. So anyway, let's slide up to Mississippi and talk with Rebecca. Rebecca, thanks for calling. Thank you. Um, I feel like I that I have done exactly the opposite of what you have recommended to do. I have been watering. I, I just bought a, a gardenia bush recently, and I'm trying to, to get started. You know, I'm going to plant a whole bunch of gardenia bushes and that sort of stuff. Yeah. But I have, I have been watering it, you know, trying to water it fairly often. But I think that I may have done, you know, I just realized that I may have been watering it where it's not taking care of getting deep roots. Now, would you tell me again about that? Yeah, Rebecca, this is really, really common. More people do this than almost any other thing. When you plant a shrub, keep in mind, it's got to get roots as quickly as it can out into your dirt, outside the original hole. Uh, Because if you just pick a little hole and stick it in there, it's going to have roots just like that for, for years. So the idea is to dig a wide hole, and if you didn't do that when you planted yours, you can take a shovel. You don't have to replant it, but you know how spokes go out from the hub on a wheel? You know, spokes go radiate out like, like sun rays going out. You can go to the edge of the hole and stick your shovel in sort of perpendicular to the hole and just sort of crack it three or four times all the way around to make it where there's fractures going out into the dirt around it. That'll help not only water escape, but it'll help air and roots and everything. So that'll, that'll help a lot, widen the hole. And second of all, uh, if you get a really good slow deep soaking or maybe two waterings 30 or 40 minutes apart, that puts the water down deep, then let it get almost dry before you soak it again. I've planted so many shrubs and trees in my, my lifetime and my career. I, my family had a tree and shrub nursery where we grew and planted stuff in landscapes. I can't imagine watering a new plant more than maybe twice a week the first three or four weeks, once a week max after that. I'm talking about the first summer, a good deep soaking every week or two is usually plenty if you dug a good hole. So that, that's the real key. One other thing I'll throw out, when you pull a plant out of a pot, its roots are used to growing in potting soil that has a drainage hole in the bottom. And it won't when you put it in the ground. So I think it's really important to not just dig a wide hole, but to loosen up some of that potting soil and stir it into your dirt. And that way the plant gets better used to a combination of its old dirt and your dirt rather than a real big transition. So if you didn't do that... You might want to think about digging a plant up and doing that, loosen the roots up and replant it. Uh, even though it's hot and dry, that's going to be crucial, I think. So not, not water too often, but water really well when you do it. And if you didn't loosen the roots, you really ought to. Uh, I, I did loosen the roots, so I, good, did, good. I didn't mix it, but I, I did loosen, make sure that I loosened up the roots. Yeah, well, as long as you dug a nice wide hole, it's, you know, it, 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 the idea is to water it really good. And then, you know, wait till after your heart breaks before you water it again. Okay. Okay. Well, thank you so much. <laughs> okay. Good luck on it. Pre- appreciate it, Rebecca. Good luck. Okay. And then let's slide down to Central Mississippi to Hazelhurst. Larry, what's going on? 
I have a catawba tree and no catawba worms for fishing. How do I get worms on the tree? Well, this is a kind of a weird thing, but catawba worms come out of eggs laid by catawba moths. And unless you got catawba moths in the area, they ain't going to lay any eggs. So what you probably the easiest way to do it would be to start by finding somebody who's got some catawba worms for sale and getting them and putting them on your tree. And that sounds kind of weird, but it's kind of the luck. Of, it's like fishing, you know. You, you, you know there's a big old bass out there someplace, but if it ain't near your hook, you ain't going to catch him. See, so anyway, right. best, you know, unless there's catawpa trees and catawpa moss area, you might have to add a few to your tree to get started. It's kind of weird, okay. but that's what it, what it boils down to. Thank you. Well, I have another little comment. We have all about six acres right our place and our daughter's place next door. And you know, for a week I haven't mowed. It's so hot the grass hardly needs mowing. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And uh, and not all that, but it's a good thing. You know, a lot of people keep on mowing the grass and mow it real close in the summertime. Grass actually does better if it's taller when it's really hot, dry. It sort of shades itself, and it does. It's not forced to put out a bunch of new growth. So it's normal for grass to. So almost even go a lot of times grass will turn brown and grow dormant in the summer. As soon as you get a good rain, it greens back up. This way it was long before we've been growing grass a long before we had pop up irrigation and hoses. Yeah, just you know, right. it's just shuts down the summer. Just like people. Just shutting down for a while. <laughs> yeah, right. Thank you. Okay, Larry, appreciate it. By the way, folks, if you're not sure what a catawpa worm is, uh, you probably have heard of tomato hornworms. They're as big as your finger. They've got a little sort of a, a horn a tail on the end of them. A catawpa moth is a great big moth that flies at night and only lays eggs on catawpa trees. And those worms can completely eat a tree up. The tree survives. Meanwhile, they have worms the size of your finger. And uh, when I was, whew, they're highly valued, not only as fishing bait, but also as a nice little wildlife food. So, anyway, it's one of those oddball things. Hey, let's let's uh, let's slide down now to uh, to uh, Hattiesburg. Tom, thank you for calling. What's up? Hey, good morning. Uh, let Howdy. me get this off. Hey, get this off a of speaker. Uh, good morning, fellas. It's nice to talk to you. I hadn't called in a long time, but I wanted to uh, just. Uh, pass on a uh, trick about uh, getting your hands dirty. Uh, some old old lady uh, taught me one time to take okay. a water hose with a water gun and get your fingernails out so you won't have to sit around cleaning your fingernails out as much. It really works. Wait, 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 wait. Now run that by me again. Uh, your hose and, and, and doing what? Yeah. yeah, you got your water gun on the end of it, you know, your water nozzle. Yeah, you know, on your and, and the jet, you know, the jet, the jet, the you put it on your jet, pull it or carry jet the jet the dirt out of under your water, your fingernails. Yeah, that might work in your. That might work for your ears too, or between your toes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it does have a lot what? of different you know, whatever it takes. There's nothing like having some flip flops on and, and running some water between your toes, is it? It didn't. It didn't. It, it, it makes it. It does. It makes the summertime feel a lot better. <laughs> All righty, man. I appreciate that, Tom. Thanks, guys. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. Another thing, I do have a question about the catawba worms. Um, do they get the other worms, or do they all uh, eat up the uh, catawba leaves? Because I've 
how to meet mine up every year, which is which is fine. But but I just wonder they don't. It's hard to tell if it looks like cava worms. I've looked them up, and it's kind of hard to tell. Yeah, you know, there, there's a lot of a lot of different moths out there that have similar looking caterpillars, including some that are much bigger than my finger. I mean, there's a the hickory hornworm. Wow. What a weird-looking creature, and it's probably five inches long. They're incredible. So there's so many different moths out there with, with big caterpillars, and there's a lot of them that are called hornworms. they got that little horn tail on the end of them. And uh, if, it's, if it's on a catalpa tree, it's probably a catalpa worm. You know, that's just sort of the, the main thing. But it could be other ones, too. Don't know. All right, we're going down to Wayne County. What's up, Sandra? Good morning. Well, good morning, and how are you? Um, I'm fine. Thank you. Um, I have built an above-ground flower box about yeah. uh, eight feet eight feet long, but I have it in front of I have a, a fence that's protecting my banana trees. Right. So I have I have morning shade and afternoon sun. Right. Are there any Are there any plants or uh, a shrub, small shrub? Uh, or would I just be better off planting miniature roses? Uh, oh, no, 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 no. There's all sorts of stuff that will grow there. You know, most, most, uh, let's, what you have, because it's midday and afternoon sun, that's going to be hot sun. So you need to go with sun loving plants, not shade plants. Shade plants can take, uh, you know, morning sun, but not afternoon sun. But you can have to go with plants that like sun, and there's so many. You know, and the thing about the roses, they drop their leaves in the winter. If you want to do that, then be sure to plant some daffodils with it so you have something in the wintertime. But you can plant roses and daffodils. You can put some little dwarf nandinas. You could put one of these dwarf gardenias, uh, I say gardenias, nandinas, gardenias. Uh, you can put some peppers and some marigolds and flower and, and striped monkey grass. You know, mix it up. If you plant all the same thing, something is going to either do better or worse than the rest and make it all look bad. So mix stuff up. Put put different things on it. Okay, you you said uh, you said daffodils. I don't want any nandinas. I have those. Yeah. You said daffodils or uh, marigolds or I'm just saying, if you plant roses, they don't have any any leaves in the wintertime there's nothing there to look at so you, if you're going to do that then yes. put some daffodils so you have some winter color is what you know when your roses are bare but mix stuff up uh, a dwarf gardenia some 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 zinnias some you know uh almost any kind of you know have you something that cascades over the side like the ornamental sweet potato that sort of uh, cascades over and softens the size of it in other words mix stuff up mm-hmm. sort of like you would uh, uh if you go to a buffet you don't put all potatoes on your plate. You mix stuff up. Right. You do that with your garden, okay. too. But it's okay to, to go ahead and plant them in, in the heat that we have now? Oh, yes. The, the main thing is when you pull them out of the water them before you plant them, and then, you know, let them, you know, let them get good and moist, and then gently loosen up the potting soil just a little bit so, so when you put them in the ground, it's not a potting it's not a pot-shaped root ball. Just generally loosen them up a little bit. You know, there's a I forget the name of the little garden center right outside Waynesboro, going going north. I forget that the name of, it. but they got all sorts of cool stuff there that you can mix stuff up. Okay. But it, it, all right. It, 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 oh, let me throw this out, Sandra. When you plant stuff, after you get through planting, cover the ground up with some bark mulch. That bark will help neaten it up, but it'll also keep 
the soil from compacting and from overheating. The mulch is sort of like uh, putting a, an umbrella over the dirt, and that'll help a whole lot, too. Okay, you said bark mulch. Bark. Well, I, I prefer bark because it's easy to haul by the bag. It doesn't take as much. Pine straw works, but it has to be real thick. But if you just spread an inch or two layer of bark mulch over it, it'll look neat, and it'll keep the ground cool and moist. You won't have to water as much. Yes. I already have my mulch, so okay. Okay. All right. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate it. You bet. Thanks for calling, Sandra. All righty, folks. Uh, We've got some folks hanging on, uh, and it's Danny from Clinton and Nancy from Philadelphia. If y'all hold on, there's a lot of special people out there. But to me, the the best of all are the folks who have a good sense of the absurd. Life is so strange. There's so many stresses. There's joys, there's fears, there's all sorts of stuff. But every now and then you have to take a break and just be a little silly. And this year, this past week, we lost one of the kings of absurdity. And I want to do just a little short tribute to a guy named Paul Rubens, also known as Pee Wee Herman. See you later. Pee-wee, <laughs> what a crazy, crazy, you know, a lot of folks may not appreciate it, especially folks my age and older, but, you know, I had kids back then, and Pee-wee was the, the my kid's version of Captain Kangaroo, who was actually my version of Howdy Doody. But every time, I mean, if people say Pee-wee Herman a little bit nut Java, they don't remember Mr. Moose and all the falling ping-pong balls from Captain Kangaroo. I'm yeah, yeah Pee Wee Herman. He was a he was a force of nature. He was one of my one of my childhood, um, um, you know, favorites. But one thing I will say about Paul Rubens, just real quickly, he was one of the first, I guess, actors. Being a young kid, that I that he was acting. Pee Wee was a, a character. I hate to bring it up, but when he got arrested, you know, um, during his time, it made me be like, oh, he's a real person. Pee Wee Herman yeah. is a character. <laughs> yeah, it just, it, that's what he was. He was a character. When he was in character, he was so good, so absurd. So anyway, it's, it was fun. So uh, let's go let's back to, get back to Garland. Though. Do we go to Nancy or Danny first? Let's talk with uh, Nancy in Philadelphia. Okay, Nancy, thank you for holding. I really appreciate it. How are you doing? Hey, uh, I'm doing well, and thank you for uh, giving the tribute to Pee Wee Hearn. Um We've had a a lot of crabgrass, which we've been trying to dig under it and pull those runners and those, I'm, I'm sorry, nutgrass. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, do you have a recommendation for anything that help us next year's garden, next spring's garden? Yeah, a couple of things. First of all, pulling nutgrass this time of year does nothing because you, only, you don't even get the whole plant. It just you know, it just falls to pieces. So the best time to pull nutgrass is when the ground is moist. And if you have to gently sort of tug it out because it's got a little nutlet at the bottom. And if if you do a good job of pulling as much of that as you can, you know a lot more is going to come back from a little small nutlet you missed. But here's the key. Go back and pull those before they get big enough to send out new nutlets. So pull two or three times pretty soon after each other uh, and and, and you'll peter out pretty quickly. So that's the best way. The second best way is there is a there there's a herbicide that only kills nut sedge. There's several brands of it. One is called sedge hammer, like sledgehammer, sedge hammer. It only kills nut grass. You can if the if it's moist, if it's actively growing, 
uh, you know, not hot and dry. You can squirt sedgehammer on it, and within oh, a week, week and a half, it turns yellow, and it's gone. It got rid of 95% of mine in a flower bed with just one spray. But it, it has to be applied when the stuff is kind of young and kind of actively growing. So if you could pull what you can, let the new stuff come up, and then spray that. Sedgehammer, a couple of other herbicides will kill strictly nutgrass. But pulling, if you stay on top of it, pulling does get rid of it after two or three or four pullings, and each one gets better. I hate to say okay, it, but that's, well, what, that's right. what works. That's what, it yeah, works. We have a watermelon patch. I gave up. It just took over the watermelon, so... Yeah, and you know, and what's really bad, you know, uh, nutsedge will grow through a sweet a sweet potato. It'll grow through a sweet potato. So oh, you know, really? it's a tough one. But w- one thing you could do if you have a real bad problem with it is this this fall or, or whenever you 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 row up your garden. If this is in a vegetable garden, you're not supposed to use sedgehammer around edible crops the first go around. It's complicated. It's not a it's not a horrible thing. But you you just not supposed to. What you do is you row the garden up, get ready to plant. Let the nut sedge come up, and while it's still small, spray it with nut sedge then, with sedge camera then, because it'll be a whole bunch of broken up individual plants. And then when it starts to turn yellow a week or so later, then plant your stuff right in with it, and the nut grass will fold down into a like a golden mulch around them. So that'll help. Thank you so much, and have a good good, good luck. Thank you so much. Appreciate <laughs> it. Bye. Okay, now let's slide back. And, and folks, I'm loath to recommend herbicides, but sometimes that's what works. And I will always recommend one that's safe and effective and not bad for our health or our garden. So that, that is my commitment to you. Uh, let's go to Clinton and talk with Danny. Danny, man, you've been holding on. I appreciate it. <laughs> well, you know, last week I called you about my eggplant making vines. Yeah. And you said it would run into water. Well, I got checking. I got checking my fruit on the vine, and it looked a lot like some uh, gourds that I had planted. Uh huh. <laughs> but so it, I, I'm a little dyslexic, and I got them mixed up. Yeah. Well, you know, I was wondering, but one thing I learned a long time ago is don't argue with folks. So if you said this plan, I wasn't going to patronize and say, nope, ain't happening. So how, how, did, how did I do on that? Uh, you you did good. It was looking for water. But I, yeah. I got it all straightened out. When I started looking at the fruit on it, it looked like it looked like uh, some gourd. But I know somebody was talking about uh, monkey grass. Yeah. And uh, this lady told me, said, won't you use, instead of monkey grass, won't you use Garlic chive, and, yeah. and you can eat. And you can eat it. I yeah. go, I throw it, and if you like garlic, you can <laughs> eat it. It's a little blades. It looks like musk grass, but you can yeah, eat it. Does. It, it. It tastes a little bit like garlic, and it doesn't stay on your breath. Yeah, and the, and it also has pretty little white flowers too. And the, and those white flowers are edible if you want to eat them. Uh huh. Well, anyway, that's that's all I got. <laughs> that's 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 plenty, Danny. That's plenty. I appreciate you, man. You're you're, you're a good man for manning up about that. <laughs> all right, I, I always admit when I lied. <laughs> <laughs> appreciate it, guy. Okay, bye. And see, Java, I'm not sure if he was just messing with me, and that was his subtle way of letting him know that he got me. 
He got I you. Don't know. He got me. <laughs> you know, that's what, after 40 years of doing this, and, and this is my 41st year, uh, back in, in March, I was 40th year I've been doing live radio, and I still get stumped, and I still mess up. But, you know, I'm okay with that because plenty of people are going to correct us. Now let's slide up to uh, to Oxford and see what Cynthia's got going on. Hey, lady, how are you? Hi, Kelly. We're doing well. How about you? So far, so good. Well, I want to thank you for the recommendation on the Celeste fig, which I um, planted actually from a cutting after hearing that you recommended it, and it's doing great. It's got, um, fig, got figs on it? Got figs? Got figs on it, and it's about uh, seven feet tall, and it's only Ooh, barely tall. a year old. Too tall. Is it too, too tall? tall. You think I should too tall. It? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Here's here's the deal on figs, and, and you know, and keep in mind, I was raised under a fig tree that my great grandmother planted. It's still making figs, but it's bigger than the house, and we can't get them. So in my yard, I have a fig that I can stand up, hold my hand straight up above me, and my hand is taller than the fig. Because what you do is every year, whatever grew the year before, cut it back part ways, and it'll branch out. So you have more branches, more figs, more compact plants. So uh, it, it's a little late for pruning it this year. You still got figs on it. But this coming winter, uh, sometime mm-hmm. in oh January, February, sometime in there, whatever grew in 2023, cut it back to a couple of feet long. You know, okay. follow from the tip from the tip to where it started growing this past spring, as long as you leave several leaf joints, you know, two or th- uh, a sure. couple of feet or so mm-hmm. long, what sprouts off of those will have figs next year. If you cut it back further than that, it'll sprout, but it won't have figs. So always leave stubs of the previous year's growth. And then when it sprouts out, you can snip the tips off of those, and they will branch out. You'll have a fig bush, more figs, easier to pick. Wonderful, and then I could take more cuttings that way, too. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Here's yeah. the Figs, so, you know, they're, they're native to the Mediterranean. They, they do better in dry conditions than doing wet conditions, but they have fairly shallow roots, so it's pretty important for you to have a nice wide root system, three or four feet across with nothing else under there. And I would just use regular tree leaves as mulch. If you want to top it with something pretty, like pine straw or bark, you can. But that way, it'll feed the soil. It'll enrich the soil, which is really important for fig roots. They need to be cool. They need to be rich. And so just putting mulch down out of leaves, the worms will take it from there. Just don't try not to overwater it. Think Mediterranean. Wonderful. And what do you think about the Warren pear? I saw that it was originally originated in the Hattiesburg area. Do you think it would do okay in Oxford? It should. Uh, Warren pear has been around for a long, long time. Uh, See, fig is not really a fruit. It's an inside-out flower. But tree fruit like apples and pears and peaches and plums, Mm -hmm. they tell time by how much cool temperature they get in the wintertime not freeze above freezing but below 45 it's called chilling hours uh warren you know down the south mississippi they may only get maybe 500 chilling hours and so if they have a a, a tree that needs longer like a cherry for example they're not going to fruit but if you have one from the coast planted too far north it may get all the hours it needs early in the first warm weather that comes along in the wintertime it'll sprout so i don't remember what the chilling hours for warren are i can look it up matter of fact i can do that while we're on the air 
but um, I think I may, may have time. But if you look up Warren Pair chilling hours, as long as okay. it'll produce up to you know, so y'all get oh seven eight hundred or so chilling hours in the Hasbrook area. So you need fruit trees that need about that many. So that's all. Yeah, I'm in o- yeah, I'm in Oxford, so that would be probably yeah. colder. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's not so much colder. It has a longer chilling period. Again, it's above freezing, below 45. Uh, cherry trees need 1,000 hours. That's where you don't have cherries in Mississippi. It's not cool enough, long enough. So I just don't know whether Warren Pear will do in North Mississippi because of the chilling hours. Uh, you know, between the two of us, let's, let's look it up. Sounds wonderful. Thank you so much. Okay. Oh, well, one other thing. There's a guy who's got a garden. He's got a nursery out from Coldwater, not very far from you. He specializes in hardy heirloom fruit trees. Uh, his name Ooh. is um, Peterson something. To, I can't remember. Uh, are you by a chance on Mississippi Gardening Facebook? Yes, I am. Okay. Go on there and say, who's the guy in North Mississippi with the fruit trees? And I'll answer within the hour. Okay. I appreciate it. Thanks so much. Okay. You bet. Bye-bye. Phil, are you sending people with homework now? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because I can't remember this stuff. There's some stuff I just can't remember. But, you know, this thing about chilling hours, uh, people don't realize that fruit trees tell time, not by freezing temperatures, but by cool temperatures. In North Mississippi, they get seven, eight, nine hundred hours of chilling. And if you have a plant that only needs three or four hundred, it's going to bloom in the middle of the winter and freeze. But if you don't, if you're, if you don't, if you have something that needs more hours than that, it just won't flower. So it's one of those oddball things about fruit. It's not just the type of fruit, but what variety for different parts of Mississippi. What'll do well in North Mississippi may or may not do well in South Mississippi. And uh, garden centers that care about this stuff will order the right varieties. But just ordering a plant because it's, you know, you heard it'll do okay, that just doesn't cut it. It's one of those frustrating things that takes sometimes years to find out this is why it didn't work. So anyway, Mississippi State has got a web uh, page called MSU Cares. It, it's Coordinated Access to Research Extension, something like that. Anyway, MSUcares.com. Anybody can go to that website, and in the search box, type in, Fruit Varieties, Chilling Hours. And it'll take you right to the page that lists all the fruit plants that do well in Mississippi, which ones do best in North, Central, South, or the whole state. I'm just saying it's a good resource. MSUcares.com. And the operate phrase is Chilling Hours. Ain't that some stupid stuff? Hey, that should have been a question, an answer to question nobody asked. Yeah, it's always interesting, you know, when we just think about across the state, there's so many kind of different zones and areas where, you know, a lot of people, especially outside the state, to say, oh, well, this grows in Mississippi. Well, no, this only grows in one specific section of Mississippi. <laughs> there yeah, are differences. And, yeah, and, and it's really weird, this chilling hour thing, that's really unusual because a lot of plants uh, – you know, they, they go, uh, again, it's above freezing, but below, it's refrigerator temperature. And cherry trees need a 1,000 hours of chilling. We don't get that many in most of Mississippi. You can plant cherries all you want, but unless we have a nice, long, cool, chilly, they're not going to flower. On the other hand, some things down the coast, they'll flower after three or four weeks of cool weather. 
and that's not going to do any good if you're up in North Mississippi and it's the middle of January. So anyway, chilling hours, one of those stupid little horticultural things I wish we didn't have to deal with, but there you go. There you go. I guess that's the reason I got a job, Java. <laughs> yeah, we, you, you know these things. You know these yeah. things. <laughs> yeah, some of them wish I didn't know. And uh, I sent you a text a little minute ago about do we need to mention anything about this weekend or just let it go? I think we're just supposed to let it go. That's my okay, I sentiment. I, I got yeah, so, so the, the, the idea, folks, is stay cool, stay hydrated, stay out of the midday sun. Don't be crazy. Dog days are called dog days because they thought that's what drove dogs mad. So I'm just saying, don't be that way. Just, just keep cool. By the way, this is a this is a good weekend, hot as it is. If you can get out there late in the day or early in the morning and do a little digging, maybe pour some potting soil out of an old pot, throw it back in, freshen it up. This is a great time, if you can still get tomatoes and peppers, to plant them. They will produce an incredible crop in October, November. Fruit, uh, tomatoes and peppers set out. In August, early August, we'll make a fantastic crop. Otherwise, let's give it another couple of weeks. Pansies, violas, cabbage, kale, broccoli. It's a little early for that. So let's just hold off on that a little bit. But go ahead and start preparing by getting your dirt ready. Dig it the best you can. Cover it up with some leaves so it's nice and fresh and cool. And when you get around to, to, to planting, the hard stuff is done. So plan ahead, dig your hole ahead of time, mulch it, and uh, not only will that buy you some time and get over the aches and the pains and the creeks, keep it from overheating, but also helps the soil kind of mellow a little bit. It's sort of it's sort of like having leftovers. Soup and chili are good the first time around, but they're so much better the next day when you reheat them. Ooh. Same thing, same <laughs> same thing with digging the dirt, man. Do, you know, stir, it's like adding crackers to chili right at first; it's still crumbly. Come back a little bit later; it's all good, man. All good. Yeah, it's something about when you let the um, the the flavor, like I say, let the flavor settle or seep in a little bit with some leftovers. Oh man, you got yeah. me hungry now. <laughs> yeah, d- hey, d- dirt's the same way. So, so uh, let me ask you: this. Uh, you're gonna have the, the the kids got this slip and slide thing tomorrow, right? Yes, sir. You can let them play with the hose at the same time, or you're scared that Crystal might get squirted. Well, now that's see that <laughs> we do have to, we we we're gonna have swim caps and all that kind of things because also it's a school is starting on Monday, so we're gonna be protected outside. But we're gonna have a we're gonna have a great time. We're gonna have a great time. There you go. Yeah. Well, I, I want to close this out by throwing out something. I just read a book about the difference between animals and plants. A lot of different differences, but one is. Plants are decentralized. You can cut a plant back and they'll sprout back out. Can't do that with a person. You got to treat them right all along. You got to treat them right every time you get a chance. Do right so that they'll do better. That's what you're doing with the kids, job with the slip and slide, hugging your kids while you can. We can't cut them back and start them over like we do our plants, but you can sure enjoy them while you got them here. Amen. We're gonna take a we're gonna take a week long break. We're gonna come back with more of the Gestalt Garden here on Mississippi Public Broadcasting. We talked to fellow rushing Java and his kids and family, all the folks of them. We thank you for joining us. If you have questions during the week, go to fellowrushing.blog. They've got a button that says email me, and we'll take it from there. Check out this garden Facebook. We have some fun too. Meanwhile, to get a chance, go to farmers market. They are hungry. They got stuff to share with you, and they want to show you how to do what we do best, and that's. 
get dirty. Hey, let them get dirty for you. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Thank you.